as we are prepared to celebrate the 4th of July, our minds go to the individuals who allowed us to have that freedom. On this flashback edition of the Bellator Christie podcast, we are joined by Junior Matthews, who proudly served his nation in World War II and who gives good, godly words of wisdom uh, that he has experienced over the course of his 93 years of life here on earth. While we have lost Junior, we remember his life and what a testimony of God's grace he is. So join us as we enter into the arena of truth, the arena of ideas, on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast on a special flashback edition, where we take a look at some of the best interviews and podcasts that we had on Blog Talk Radio. You may hear the program called Redeeming Truth Radio, but no worries, you're still listening to the same podcast. Now, join us now as we go back in the halls of history to the best of the Bellator Christie podcast on Blog Talk Radio. That is one Junior Matthews. Uh, Junior is a beloved man. Uh, anyone who has ever met Junior Matthews, I dare say no one would say anything bad about this gentleman. He, 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 lived, he was born August 29, 1920. He was one of nine kids. Uh, he had uh, several children himself. He and his wife Erlene did. He was a faithful husband to Erlene. He was a faithful father to his children, James, Tommy, and 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 the and uh, the other other kids of his. He was a faithful father to them, and and just a great man of God. He served uh, one of my former pastorates at Friendship Baptist Church. He served uh, at that church for 56 years as a deacon, and uh, just a great faithful man of God. He, you know, I don't know anyone, as I said before, who met Junior Matthews who had anything negative to say about him. Junior was, like my grandfather, a World War II veteran. He fought in the U.S. Army fighting the Nazis. Uh, he has some interesting stories to tell about really being, uh, he even told me once that uh, it was a miracle that he even survived. Uh, he and uh, he and this group was uh, going down a river getting ready to charge up against the Nazis, and, and uh, the Nazis opened fire, and uh, they were shooting grenades at him. And just as the providence of God would have it, uh, Junior stepped back and, and fell in a foxhole that was actually dug by the Nazis. And because he fell in the foxhole, the flames went over top of him, and he survived that attack. He said most of the guys who went out on that uh, assignment did not return. And so um, 
Junior joins many others like Floyd Poindexter, many other great men of faith, like my grandfather Roy Chilton, who was a U.S. Navy man, and he was on the USS New Orleans, and and many other uh, many other individuals, a part of what I believe it was Tom Brokaw who called it the greatest generation, and uh, and I could I could see that. I mean, because you had people who endured a lot, and uh, and saw a lot of changes in their lifetime. And just uh, tremendous, good, faithful people of God for the most part, for, or at least, at least would say many. Uh, and I would even think we could say for the most part. There, there were many people in that generation who came to know the Lord, at least in our area, and uh, were faithful Christians and have, have left an impact. And as I said today at the funeral, I had an opportunity of uh, being one of five ministers at his funeral, five, he selected five ministers that he wanted, and I was lucky to be one of those five. It says, I told the people then, and I tell everybody who's listening to this broadcast, people like Junior Matthews have, were handed the torch of the Christian faith, obviously by the Lord, but also by those who went before them. And I think that uh, situations like this, as we reflect upon people of, of uh, the former generation, there's not many people left uh, in in his generation, I think they are passing on the torch to us. And for those of us who would take the torch, uh, we can make a difference. You know, being flamed by the fires of the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference in the world around us if we would be willing to do that. Junior, of course, was known for many things. He was known for growing some huge pumpkins. I'm sorry, not pumpkins, watermelons. I think he may have grown some pumpkins, too. But watermelons was what he was really known for. Uh, I know one time he showed me a watermelon that weighed in excess of 60 pounds. I asked him, I said, Junior, what do you have these things on steroids? I mean, my goodness, I've never seen watermelons that big. And they were tasty, too, or or for the most part. Now, he said that the really big ones weren't as uh, as tasty as some of the smaller ones. But, but uh, also, Junior was well known for his fried apple pies. And as I said this morning in the, or this earlier this afternoon in the funeral, I think it wasn't just the the sugar, it wasn't just the apples, it wasn't just the flour that made Junior's uh, fried apple pies so good. It was, in fact, the tender, loving care that he put into each and every one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you. If you'd like to call in, we'll take your calls towards the end of the show. If you have any personal reflections that you would like to share, if you knew Junior, you can call in. Our number is 323-784-9617. But right now what I would like to do is to replay, re-air uh, an interview that I conducted with Junior Matthews uh, on Sunday, November 11, 2012, uh, and this uh, November 11, 2012, uh, this was when I was uh, still at, with the congregation at Friendship Baptist Church. Uh, by the way, we're with Huntsville Baptist Church. We'd love to have you if you don't have a church home. Uh, but uh, this interview was conducted November 11, 2012. And so let's go now to that interview now already in progress. We are here today with uh, Junior Matthews, who served uh, 56 years as a deacon at Friendship Baptist Church, and uh, is 92 years young. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> Make sure I get that right this time. And so, Junior, thank you very much for being with us today on the broadcast. Uh, good to be here. 
Junior, uh, uh, very quickly, can you tell us about your salvation experience and when you come to know the Lord as Savior? Uh, I, I can tell you that I know very well when it was. I cannot tell you the date. It's been probably been, I was probably about 12 or 14 years old when I first accepted Christ as my Savior. Uh, I, as you know, I went to, I grew up in Prospect Methodist Church until I moved out here. And, uh, we were having a revival at uh, Prospect. That's Ariel Sharp was our pastor at that time. And uh, I gave my heart to Christ that night. And uh, I very, very well remember I was sitting up on the front bench of the, at the church and I felt somebody put their arm around me. And I couldn't figure out. I looked up and it was my, mom, my mama. Standing there with arms around me, and I ain't never forgot it. Mm-hmm. It just—it was a blessing to know that she was there with me. Amen. And I, I, I very well remember that. And back then, we walked to church. We didn't have no way to go. And I remember going home that night. We were going down the road, and she said, "Junior, don't you feel a lot better now?" <laughs> and I was the oldest of nine children. So far as I know, I was the first one to give my heart and life to Christ, but I've never forgot it. And I had a feeling that night of, that I've never had, never had before, and I've never had it since. But I, after I found out my mama was standing there, I felt like I was just a floating. I mean, I was just a floating in the air. That's the way I felt. I never felt that before. But it was an experience I've never had before or since. Well, before retirement, which I know as a Christian you never really retire, uh, what was what was your occupation? Well, really a farmer. I, up till I was about 60 years old, something like that. Uh, early and was working at the lunchroom at the schoolhouse, and I couldn't farm, but was having to quit farming and went to building houses. And I've done that till I was about 80, I guess 80 some years old build a lot of houses around here in the community. And folks, I tell you, even 92, he can outwork most of us uh, even today. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time which was the house I was the most famous, I uh, most proud of. I said, well, of course I was proud of my own, helped build my three boys' house. <laughs> but I guess I would have to say, New Home Methodist uh, uh, Fellowship Hall and the Parsons, I would have to say was probably the to the most that I was most proud of because I was the only carpenter that had hard out there. And I dreaded them two buildings, the worst of any buildings I ever built. But I, after I got through, I enjoyed them the most. They was so good to me at New Home and at the church. I, they wanted me to, I built the fellowship hall to start with. Then they wanted me to build the parsonage. But I remember in the fellowship hall, they didn't have no uh, place, you know, to get up in the attic. And I said, we've got to have one in there. It wasn't on the plan. Somebody wanted me to put it out in the fellowship hall, right where they passed the food out from the kitchen, and I didn't want to put it there. They said, why don't you want to put it there? I said, it won't be nothing but a sore thumb. Everybody comes in here, look right up there and see it. They want to say, where can you put it? And I said, right back there in them two bathrooms in the hall. That was all I said about it. One day the architect was there, and I seen him and one of the ones that helped him look after it. I seen him back there looking up there, and I know just talking about it. 
director that called me. Said, come back here a minute. Said, tell him what you said about putting them pull down stairs there. I started telling him. He left a Ralph Walls talking to him. He said, Ralph, let him put it up there. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never, I never will get working out there. I really enjoyed it. Well, Junior, I, you know, I have a lot of great respect for for you and and your generation, and uh, and and I think that perhaps probably your generation has seen more changes in technology perhaps than any generation in history. Can you tell us a little bit about the changes in technology that you've seen? There's been a lot, <laughs> a lot. But I thought life Sunday when everybody was dressed all the time. I thought. Uh, the, some of the women had an old bonnets on and old hats, and I very well can remember when just about all the older women wore a hat to church or a bonnet. They, they, and another thing I remember, and I don't have a thing in the world against it. Uh, you used to didn't see none of the women wear pants boots to church, mm -hmm. and now you just and I don't I don't have anything at all against it. But, but down loud, I don't blame them. I, I, in cold weather, I'd want up my legs too. But that, you don't ever see that anymore. And back then, I mean, everybody, we all would walk to church. We didn't have a car to go in. We had to walk and go to church. But uh, we didn't know, we had no television, no telephone. And I remember very well the first radio that we ever got. Uh, we had radios, and uh, my mom and daddy, a long time, we didn't have a car, but we, my daddy family got an old T-model Ford, and uh, I don't reckon they know, um, I don't know, I had it, antifreeze to go in them. I know at night, when we'd go somewhere, we always had to drain the water out of that old T-model when we got in, keep it from freezing and busting. And it's just, it's just a lot, a lot of changes. Well, it's, it's amazing just, just even thinking about, you know, antifreeze. I mean, the, the small things we take for granted now, you know, how things have, have really, as you said, changed. Well, we had no running water. and no, I remember here when I first moved over here in 1946, I believe it was, uh, we didn't have no stove and, and uh, no toilets. I had two outside and... Outhouses, you call them, and there was no heat in there. <laughs> I think they had a stove in the, the church here to heat it with. I remember Mr. Johnson come up here and build a fire on Sunday morning. I don't, know, I don't remember where he had one or two. I can't remember. But they had electric lights. I remember they had lights. But I very, very well remember at home, we didn't have any lights, electric lights. We had to use a lamp. I remember when the power line come down, uh, through Smithtown, when the power line come down through there, I remember very well when it come down through there. You know, it's amazing how, you know, again, how many times any things we take for granted. And know a lot of uh, folks in the younger generation, you know, they 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 think they have to have a cell phone and you know, text messages. Like you said, you, you know, y'all had what no telephones, uh, no television, you know, nothing of the sort. You know, I remember very well the radio first radio I ever heard. Was this uh, somebody that Smith then had a, an old battery radio and had to put it on their ears? One person would all could hear it, and then he'd tell the rest of them what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Junior, what changes in 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 the government have you seen? Oh, the the, last few years? there's been lots of changes in that too. 
you know, I, we were raised to biker. I, I can remember when we were raised to biker. We'd go out in the, uh, we could put out all we wanted to, where we wanted to, and then it got to where we had, couldn't raise with so many pounds, and changed that. And, and when I was building houses, it's not, it changed a lot even since then. But if we, I wanted to, back when I was growing up, if you wanted to build a house, about the first first thing you wanted to do was get you a well. Mm-hmm. And then build. Now then, the government, for the county, they come out and tell you where to dig a well. And then you have to admit, you, when you put your house there, you got to have it. Uh, it used to be 50 foot, but now it's 100 foot from the septic tank. And it's just... You could then it finally got to you. You raise have so many pounds, and then finally it's done away with all of it. Now you can put out all the back. You won't put that many people around here. You know the tenth the back anymore. It's all gone to the big farmer now. I heard someone say not long ago that uh, you know that it's harder for smaller farmers to make it anymore because yeah, mm-hmm. of, of yeah, all I wanted raising them has up most of the hundred acres over anymore. It, uh, it, it's been a lot of changes, a lot of changes in the government. Yeah. What changes in the church, and not necessarily just here, but in the church, you know, all, all over, or the church united, how, what type of changes have you seen? Well, you know, like I said a while ago, uh, I grew up in Prospect Church, and we always walked. We didn't have, a, for a long time, we didn't have a car to ride in. But, uh, I, uh, it, uh, well, it, it, at Prospect, I was uh, only up years later before I got in the went in the army. I was a, a steward, place of a deacon. You know, they have stewards. I was mm-hmm. a steward in Prospect Methodist Church and assistant Sunday school teacher. And uh, I made assistant Sunday school superintendent. And then we moved out here, and we come we come to church out here for. I come in, come in here in about 47, I think it was. I remember it used to be two big old oak trees right here in front of the church when I first come in, come in the church here. And a swarm of bees was in one of them big old trees that stood right here in front of the church. And of course that was where everybody wanted to park up in the morning getting the shade that we'd done away with them two big old oak trees. And I have heard, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard that uh, the, at one time they hung a personnel on that one. I had heard something about that. Cause as a matter of fact, I think uh, at one time the church was named White Oak Queen. Yeah, it was. And I, I don't I, know if that had something to do with them changing the I, name. I've heard, I've just, I've, I've just heard that they, mm-hmm. they hung a man there one time. I don't know. Was that back in maybe Civil War days or something like that? I got Well, I don't remember. I remember the two old trees, but I don't remember. And I remember when it was White Oak Glen. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, as far as the ever hanging it, but I don't remember nothing about that. What change in uh, morals have you seen in people? Have 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 has morality changed over time? Well, yes. No, I wouldn't say it's changed something much. It's some things like uh, people. Uh, I remember Connor Danger was telling that one time it come a snow, and he got on an old mule and rode around at the, at the people's doors. And asked them to come to Sunday school, and had a, uh, a good good increase on Sunday after he'd done that. 
And I also remember after we moved over here, when we had a revival, we would go around uh, to different homes and have prayer meetings. And I remember one night he come to my house. And he come up a cloud that night and thundered and lightning. And there was people praying. And the lights went out, the lights went out down there, and they just kept right on the parade. And finally the lights come on. And uh, we had one of the best revivals that I've ever seen here at Friendship. Man oh. uh, from Dobson, I can't think of his name right now. That church is named after him over there. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we... Uh, I don't know, uh, the parking lot out here got, got plumb full and we had them parked up the road, way up the road on each side of the road and had to get bring chairs out and, wow. and uh, set them around the aid for people to have somewhere to sit. But we just don't do that no more. How long were the revivals that were they all week Them they had uh, uh, a week. They had it from Sunday to most time just a week long. And we had service... Uh, most of the time, it'd be two o'clock in the evening, and again at night. Wow! And uh, I remember, I remember having my wife was working at Winston. I didn't have enough but a pickup truck at that time. She had to drive here to work, and uh, I would get my three boys ready, put a quilt on the trailer. And we'd come to church on Sunday evening. <laughs> uh, not Sunday evening, during the week on Sunday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, and most of the time, the preacher would go home with somebody, you know, from 2 o'clock service to go home and eat supper. I, I remember Mr. Ellis Norman was preaching here, and he went home with us. And he was teasing Tommy about the, the gizzard of the chicken, you know. He wanted a gizzard and then to eat supper. And uh, Erling said, Gizzard got gone. She didn't know where it went. After they had all left, she'd seen a napkin laying under the table. And Tommy had got that chicken gizzard and wrapped it in a napkin and threw it under the table where a preacher <laughs> couldn't get it. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, it just, there's a lot of things that happened back then. Yeah. Well, Junior, perhaps one. Well, the most important question was, you know, about salvation. All the questions were important, but one, one of the you know, one important questions we wanted to ask you here as well, and we'll, and we'll close with this: What advice would you give future generations? Be careful what you say. Be careful where you go. I can tell you something that happened to me over seventy. It's been seventy some years ago. Just to show that people don't forget. A good friend of mine ain't been just too long ago that I want to tell you something that happened uh, a long time ago. See if you remember it. She said, me and one of my friends come to your house and went to Sunday school at Prospect with you and Earlene. And says, uh, and I remember who taught the Sunday school class. And I said, well, who taught the Sunday school class? She said, you did. <laughs> I said, I don't remember that part of it now, but I know one thing. Is if I taught Sunday school class, you didn't get much good at it coming to Sunday school. But she said, after Sunday school, we went to Earlene's uh, mama's and ate dinner that day. So that just goes to show you that people don't forget what you do. I mean, 
I could have been, I could have done something that day that I wasn't wanting to tell you know. <laughs> I was glad I'd done something I wasn't ashamed of. <laughs> and that's been over seventy I know up in the seventy years ago when she did that you don't remember a thing about about what I said in Sunday school class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she remembers me teaching the Sunday school class. It's amazing amazing what type of impression, you know, we make on people and obviously we can tell everybody that Junior has made a wonderful impression on everyone because I've even heard several people say that, that uh, their parents told them that if they're looking for a good Christian example, look no further than Junior Matthews. Well, I'm proud I'm proud somebody thought that much of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But uh people remember what you said, what you say. And they don't forget it. A lot of them when you say something you can't take it back. You don't say it. That's right. That's exactly but, right. But uh just be careful where you go, what you say, and what you do. That, and be honest with everybody. That, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Well, Junior, we thank you very much, and uh, and we appreciate you being with us on the show today. And uh, may God bless you. We we love you. We appreciate you. Not only us, but we know the community does as well. And thank you again for taking well, the time. Thank to you for today. asking me to come. I appreciate it. As we mentioned earlier, Junior is a man who was loved by, obviously, his family his and, and the entire community, his church and the entire community, and and uh, we uh, celebrate today. I mean, obviously, we mourn his loss, but uh, we celebrate today because he has the hope of salvation, and, if, in, and that's what makes this show so important and other shows like this so important because... When we talk about Christ's resurrection, when we talk about the existence of God and the things that are fundamental to our faith, it makes times like these much We know that there is a hope uh, of a blessed future. Uh, there's, there's hope of life beyond the scope of this mortal world. And so as we, as we understand the reality that's found in the existence of God, of the existence of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and in fact, the uh, truths of Christianity. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, death loses its sting. Because for the Christian, death is not the end. It's the beginning of something absolutely fantastic. And that's eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. And that's the truth. That certainly will transform each and every one. Well, for Junior Matthews, who is now enjoying the bliss of heaven, this is Pastor Brian Chilton saying God bless and remember the truth. Ciao. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.
Who is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12-13, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults and $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu. The 25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there.